as far as I can tell, I, I guess it was an anti-page, fake page, anti-page. Um, I can't really remember the name of it now. It's been it's been a while, mm-hmm. but it, nor has it slowed down. Um, they came out and they was like, you know, test Tally, you know, of a lifetime. She killed this giraffe, and so it's obviously you know it pissed people off. You know, they were mad, which drugs Hollywood into it. Why oh. it's their business, what goes on, what we do, you know, is beyond me. So it was, um, let's see, Bill Maher, Deborah Messing, uh, just, they all jumped on board. It was, it was just slamming me. So the same troublemakers back then that we still have today. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactating doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer hurt use buck grits i've been on a big board for a while i can load him in the back of my truck we can take it to a holler take it to a field across the creek up a big old Wide-Eye Technologies presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors radio and podcast show. Alex Rutley calling via phone from my farm. I've had a busy day to tell you guys. It's been unreal. What I have you done? You guys have been busy. Well, what did you do that kept you so busy? I had to grade some of my roads that washed out from the last big rain we had then i cut some of these dead trees along my fence line and uh, i've done a bunch of social media but i've been busy all day i went over and visited with wayne a little while this morning and i must tell you he greeted us him and renee and uh, with some coffee and some donuts and had a little visit there with him we talked about politics what's going on in the world today and also in our communities and just had a great visit but uh, been really busy. We got rain moving in right now again, which is going to be great, gentlemen. And I must tell you, it's getting dry again within you know no time. We had rain what a few days ago, Saturday. Uh, well, we yeah, a little bit. So here we are. It's drying up again. I know one thing. I sprayed my gardens with Nutriplot, and my my tomatoes is coming back. The squirrels eat all the tomatoes off my plants in one day. Can you believe that? <laughs> Man, I will. You need. I, I keep telling you, Alice. You need to get you either a hawk or an owl decoy, and put it on top of fence post in the middle of your garden. That will keep all those critters away. I've got one on the fence post. I'll send you a picture of it. Oh, I think they're used to it. They know it doesn't move. They're pretty smart squirrels. They've been eating butt grits, so it made them pretty smart. Well, move them. Move yeah. them onto a different post. Yeah, I say it's been on the same post <laughs> for three years now that I know. <laughs> 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 right, and that's, that's why they're not scared of it. But anyway, no, we've been really busy. 
I want to talk about the King of the River real quick, everybody. The mm-hmm. River Bite, uh, King of the River, one of the most prestigious tournaments was this past weekend at Van Buren, Missouri. And we had th- 30 different participants in the tournament. The new King of the River is Mr. Nick Cooper from Mountain View, Missouri, born and raised in Birch Street. In second place went to Christopher Robertson. And uh, close second place, he had big bass. Christopher did like three fifty seven. Oh, I had I had three big bites that I did not hook the big fish that hit my lure, and that cost me. So, ended up eleventh out of thirty boats. That's not too bad, but it's not what I wanted. It's never what we want unless we win. But just the way it goes. Congratulations to Nick Cooper and the top five winners. Yeah, and of course the big winner, the uh, Carter County Nutrition Center. So they. Uh, they uh, benefited from all the money that was uh, paid in at the tournament. They did. They raised almost two thousand dollars. That was pretty good on a Saturday. That it was good. raining that. Yeah, Alex, want to mention something that's going on this week? Uh, has been going on all this week, and as we record on Wednesday. But the uh, Ripley County Fair. You know, I love county fairs. I've been to almost every county fair for nine counties uh, this summer. But the Ripley County Fair, and uh, this show being heard on Saturday morning across most of our region. And uh, big day Saturday at the Ripley County Fair, including a truck pull on Saturday night, beginning at 7. And, Alex, this is the most unique truck pull. And, you know, I emcee and, and announce a lot of truck pulls. This one is no entry fee. Truck pullers just really? come, hook up, and pull. Uh, they've had sponsors and things that have donated money to cover all that. And they've got $3,000 in added prize money for the truck pull. Will they cover my uh, blown engine? No, <laughs> no, you, they do have, but they do have a large hometown class, which is exactly what that's for. It's for the guys that think they got a tough truck. It can just go out there and hook up and try and pull that sled. <laughs> and more, it'd be a good time. To be a, it'd be a good time to be a local mechanic at the Ripley County Fair. It'd be a good. It'd be a, it'd be a good thing to load up a whole bunch of drive shafts. <laughs> yeah, you <George. laughs> and you and, and take them over there but anyway and they've got a great fair at ripley county and i just wanted to give them props and and uh, they got activities going on all day kids activities all day saturday and then the truck pull at seven o'clock there at the arena so just wanted to throw that out there folks aren't doing anything on saturday head out to the ripley county fair in donovan our family reunion is this weekend gentlemen uh uh, I don't know how many years we've had it, but our family reunion is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday night, I'm having a little get-together with some family and some friends. We're going to do a low country boil. My buddy, my friend from Little Rock, Arkansas, Mike Wheeler's coming up. He said, hey, I want to cook for y'all. I want to bring up some shrimp and do a little country boil. You and Wayne are both invited and your wives. I hope y'all can make it 7 o'clock at our house. And uh, I want to talk about the Cardinals. What about the trade of getting rid of Harrison Bader? Yeah, good. Believe it. Uh, good. Oh, good move. Good move. Why? Well, this pitcher they got is a stud. I mean, he started 21 games for the Yankees, who have the best record in all of baseball, and has uh, thrown 114 innings in in 20 uh, 20 starts. So that works out to about seven innings per start. He's a big lefty, and Harrison Bader is on the IL again, the injured list, and uh, they think that this injury may affect his speed. And here's the other thing, Alex, and this sets up the domino effect, which what happens in baseball. A lot of people don't think about these things. I didn't know that. But they've got this kid down at the AA Springfield. His name is Jordan Walker. He's the guy that everybody wants. This kid is 20 years old. 
He hit four home runs this last weekend for the Springfield Cardinals. He leads all of minor league baseball in homers. Uh, but the problem is he plays third base. Who do the Cardinals have at third base? Nolan Arenado, yeah. the greatest defensive yeah. third baseman maybe in the history of the game, next to Brooks Robinson. Uh, so after after the Cardinals didn't complete the Soto deal yesterday, on, on Tuesday at the trade deadline, on Wednesday night, Jordan Walker started for the Springfield Cardinals in the outfield. They're <laughs> going to convert him to an outfielder to fill that spot, what they were trying to fill with Soto. So that's why the Harrison-Bader trade made sense. Uh, they really liked the Carlson kid who started last night and homered for the Cardinals against the Cubs or on Tuesday night or yeah Tuesday night, I'm sorry. Um, so they, they like Carlson in the center field because he's a left-handed bat. Bader was right-handed and uh, he's, he's, a, he's as good a defensive player. And now they can work on getting Jordan Walker ready for the big leagues next year to fill their right field spot where they really have a void, and that's where Soto was going to play. So you know, it's just one of those things in baseball that if you look down the down the line, there are reasons that the teams do what they do, and that's why they thought that Bader was expendable to bring in a frontline starting pitcher, which is their immediate need if they want to make the playoffs. Well, I was confused, though, but I couldn't understand. Now that gives me a better idea of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit before we go to a break. Food plot season's coming up, everybody. Here in two or three weeks, we need to be breaking dirt here in northern Arkansas, southern Missouri. You do not want to plant too early. If you do, the army worms will wipe you out. You want to wait till about the third week of August to plant. I'm telling you, I went through it too many times. Uh, eagle seed time coming up. And also, I want to say I'm getting a lot of wonderful pictures on my wise eyes, and the deer are pounding my butt grits. And uh, no big bucks coming into my cameras at all. All little bucks. Wayne sent me some pictures of his little bucks and does and fawns. Uh, we did have a mountain lion sighting by my neighbors on one of their cameras last week within a half a mile of my house. So that's where some of these baby fawns are going, Wayne. That's the reason we're not seeing baby fawns with these does. And that could be that. The heat, the drought. I mean, there's a combination of everything. I know we're hoping to have Brad Doyle on uh, next week here for uh, to talk about eagle seed and food plotting and stuff like that. But I know we got to go to a break now. And when we come back, uh, we're going to have a special guest. Uh, if you are into hunting and you are a female or enjoy hearing about female hunts or you want to hear about African hunting, you're going to love the next guest. And I'm going to leave that teaser out there for everybody. And you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rulledge and his friends. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector. And you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. I could load him in the back of my truck. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye.
Eagle Seed presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. This is Wayne Lott. Got Mike Crace in the studio with me, and we have a special guest, Mike, on the phone. And I cannot wait <laughs> to uh, to dive into this because this is somebody I've been wanting to get on the, the, the show here for a while now. And uh, some of you guys are going to recognize the name right away, and then a lot of you are going to recognize uh, who she is when we start talking about what kind of got her the airplay um, a few years ago. The notoriety. The notoriety, I guess yes. you could say. And um, But uh, without further ado, uh, welcome aboard Tess Talley from Texas. How are you doing, Tess? I'm good. How are y'all? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're recording on Wednesday. Storm just came through and, and went away as fast as it showed up. So uh, hopefully we'll get some more rain coming in. But uh, we talked just a minute before with you before we got on the air here, and you were saying you guys are going now, what, three months, you said, without rain? Um, well, all year, in the year of 2020, we've had one downpour drenching rain here in West Texas. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. West Texas, around what part of West Texas? Odessa. Oh, in the Odessa area. Wow. That is beautiful country. Yeah, too. it is beautiful country, but if it doesn't rain, uh, things dry up. Uh, well, maybe we'll, we'll get some rain down that way for you. All right, so uh, Tess, tell us a little bit about who Tess Tally is. That's, that's a good place to start here. I am just your your regular, everyday, average woman that loves to hunt, and I work um, family first, God first. And I tried in my best to encourage to get others in the outdoors as well. Yeah, and, and really specialize in trying to get women in the outdoors because, you know, it's, it's been one of the fastest growing segments of, uh, of the hunting industry, but it needs to be more. Oh, I definitely agree. More women um, and also the younger generation. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that, getting the kids involved. I mean, if you can get them at that that early age when their minds are still so open before they get tainted, <laughs> I guess you could say. I mean, uh, no, Dis you said it. <laughs> Disney does wonders on kids' minds, and it's not always a good thing. So, you know. I, well, well, let's start there, Tess, about how, yeah, about, uh, about you know, your, your young years. Uh, did you grow up there in the Odessa area? I mean, have you always been in Texas? No, I, I haven't. I've been in Texas for nine years now. I grew up in Johnson County, Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky. Okay. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, Kentucky you know, has, has had the flood issue in the, in the last few days. And I know you're saying prayers yeah. for those folks in Kentucky because that, uh, the footage is just terrible. Yeah, devastating. So uh, when, when did, you said nine years ago, did you hunt when you were in Kentucky? I and mean, I'm kind of interested in where you got interested and how you got interested in hunting and fishing. Well, hunting has always been something that I've always wanted to be a part of. I've always been around it. I was raised with it. Um, all of my family members have hunted. Growing up, my grandparents had um, a bait and tackle shop. And so I'm sure you guys remember. And it's telling my age that, you know, when a long time ago, hunters had to go and check their deer in. Yeah. You're right. That does tell right. your age when you say that. <laughs> that tells all of our ages because we all remember those great days. Yeah. Yes. And so just growing up around that, like, I loved it. I, I loved seeing all the deer being brought in that people saw. And it never, the amazing part and what has changed over the years is back then, it didn't matter the size, you know. And now everybody has a goal for, for big whitetail, big mule deer, you know, just big deer. And back then it was just it didn't matter what size it was. It was amazing to see. You got to hear all these people tell their stories about the hunt, and it was just something that I always looked up to. 
you know, every time I get to talk to an official from the Missouri Department of Conservation, I bring up uh, the fact that we have lost that in the in the hunting business and the camaraderie of being down at the check station. I mean, you, you go to your hunt, you come in, whether you killed a deer or not, you went to the check station and usually there'd yeah. be a line and you just went and looked in every truck and heard every story. I mean, it yep. was it was a part of the hunt. And and I know the convenience and the cost savings of doing the call in or the online check in. But I think it really took something away from the sport. And I used to take my kids to the check in station so they could hear the stories from oh, some of too. these people. I mean, it was that's oh, how wow. they that's how they they that was their social media back at the time. So was your local yeah. gas station and a Polaroid camera. There's your social media. Yeah. Now they call it Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it was everyone was so friendly. No one hated what you did. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 I and, and like you said, now we're all concentrating on big bucks and, uh, you know, how many. Back then, it was a competition, how many points. You never heard yeah. about inches. It was right. always points. No. Yeah. You know, it was always points. And I remember the first time, and you'll enjoy this story. First time I took my, my youngest son, Adam, uh, he was in the fourth grade. Because I remember it was the morning of a Mighty Mike football game. And that morning we went and, and he killed a spike buck. <clears throat> well, word traveled pretty fast. We're here in a small town. So we get to the mighty my football game, and I was the coach, and he played for me. And we were walking onto the field. And somebody said, hey, Adam, I hear you killed a deer. And he turned around, smiled real big. And uh, they said, how big was he? He held up two fingers side by side. He said, he was an 11 point. <laughs> 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 but we didn't worry about how many inches. It was all about the points back then. But, uh, all right, yeah, so, yeah. so uh, yeah, bait and, shackle to- uh, bait and tackle shop in Kentucky. Are you hanging out? I mean, did you start – Hunting first, or did you start fishing first? Uh, fishing. Fishing, and then I went into, like, squirrel hunting with my dad and my brother, um, turkey hunting. Uh, would go deer hunting every now and then. But, you know, back then it was like, it was a guy thing, you know? Right. And you're breaking that There mold. wasn't very many <laughs> women or girls or little girls at that just doing it. Yeah. And so over the years, like, we have exploded. It's, it's been amazing. Well, now, who, who growing up, did you look up as a mentor? I know you said you hunted with your dad and that, but was there anybody outside of the family that you said, you know, you you looked at and said, you know, I want to be like this person, or, you know, or they were a big influence in, in you breaking into the industry? No, not really. No, it was just the fact and the fun of seeing, like, the the, the excitement on every on everyone's face, friends, family, you know, strangers. It was just that's what pulled it, pulled me in. Wow. So as, as uh, I know, some people have like they got names to list. You know, this person, that person, and I'm just like everyone's experience just opened my eyes, and it was I wanted to be a part of that. Right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm kind of the same way because I didn't start deer hunting until I was uh, 21 years old. Yeah. So I grew up in St. Louis, and and my dad didn't deer hunt, and didn't know anybody except for the family that lived here in the Ozarks. And I was never here during hunting season. And and for me, it's it's I get jealous when I hear you know some of our guests like you know and just like Tess just talked about growing up as a child, you know, with her 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 family yeah. going out hunting and stuff like that. My parents were anti hunters. Uh, matter of fact, I wasn't even allowed to have a gun in the house when I was. My grandma bought me my first shotgun at twelve. I had to keep it at my buddy's house down the street hmm. because they wouldn't even let it in the house. So I get jealous when I hear, you know, I get to I got to do this when I was a child. My dad used to take me on these, and you know, boy, it, I I am so uh, thankful that there were families back then to you know, especially like for you, Tess, that got you introduced into it, and that 
that addiction just stayed with you. Yes. Hi, folks. We need to go to break here. We got Tess Tally, Big Game Hunter. We're going to talk about that coming up in uh, just a few minutes. Stay with us here. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We're back in just a minute. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're listening to my good buddy, Mr. Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. It's a creek up a big old hill, year after year, got my hunting gear. How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past. Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp. 24-volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries have even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Buck Grits presents... American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends, and welcome back to the show. I'm Red Bull Mike Grace. Wayne Locke is in the studio, and our guest this week is uh, Tess Talley from Texas, West Texas, who is a a a, hunt, a hunter. You know, Tess, does it bother you if somebody says a huntress? Honey, it don't make a difference to me at all. I'm out there doing exactly what all hunters do and want to do with the same goal. It yeah. doesn't matter. Okay, because I, I know some, you know, it, it seemed like that was a term years ago, and sometimes you just wonder, you know, where we are now in society anymore. But uh, uh, Tess is a is a, a hunter, and, and Wayne, a big game hunter. And I, and I think, you know, we've only got one more segment after this one. We need to kind of dive into that. Yeah, and we're going to really dive into it definitely in the bonus segment. But, you know, one of the things um, that kind of got her notoriety and that uh, as, uh, the attraction, and from what I, I'm going to let her talk about this, but the um, the fact that you went overseas to Africa, and you know, let's start with when was the first time you went, and when when did I think it was, if I recall correctly, it was like six months or a year after the actual hunt when all of a sudden stuff blew up again, and you know, maybe we could touch base on that. But what what drew you to Africa the first time? And let's talk a little bit about that. The first time I went over to Africa, South Africa, um, I was here at a local gun show here in West Texas. And the outfitter that I hunt with over there was here, and they were booking hunts, um, advertising their their outfitting business in South Africa. Um, they had a raffle. It was $5 a ticket. And so, you know, I was so excited. I was looking at these mounts. I was looking through the pictures, and it was just like... It consumed me for so long at this booth. It consumed me. And I was, I could see myself there. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, my husband was talking to me about a gun at another booth. And, and when I turned around and seen this outfitter, I left him standing there. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea I had disappeared, but I had seen this booth and it just, it had, it just got me. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It, it just got me. And so I was talking to him. And I was learning about the way that they hunt and the animals that they hunt and, the, you know, just, just so much about it. And I was just intrigued. And so they, they was like, well, we're doing a raffle and it's $5 a ticket. And I said, okay, you know, I'll put a ticket in, you know, what's the odds of winning? Not, not for me, nothing. Like, my luck does not go that way. And so, you know, I got to talk to them. And then I, you know, went and drug my husband over and I introduced him. And he's like, you know, what have you got us into? And 
I was like, no, no, I, I really want to do this. Whether I win or not, I want to go to South Africa, and I want to experience this. And so um, I was talking to the Beermans, that's the owner, that the people that had the booth. I was talking to them for a while, and before I walked away, I, I was like, one more ticket. I'll buy one more ticket. And uh, I read it to him, and I said, I hope to God. I'll pray about this, but I hope I, I hear from you guys this weekend. And sure enough, they called, and I won that hunt, and that's what that's what got me started wow. over there. That was in 2015. So we went over, and we shot eight animals that trip. Um, and then we got them all taxidermied and shipped back to the United States. Um, and then 2017, they was like, you guys should come back over and hunt, which, you know, of course we were. We were, mm-hmm. <laughs> why not go again? Let's go sure. again. You know, this is what we were saving for. And so we went again, and they, you know, they, what, what's on your list this time? And I said, you know, you know, the first was just, you know, experience is eye opening, and I really got to see how things were. This time, I want to do a hunt that is, you know, of course, it's all beneficial in every way sure. possible. You know, hunting is beneficial. I said, but this time, I want to do something that's really going to help instantly right there with conservation like i really want to see i really want to see how something like works out instantly for us you know for the hunters for wildlife and so i said a giraffe but i want i want the giraffe to be like old a bull mm-hmm. um you know dark preferably if at all possible i had no idea you know i was just putting down all the stuff that i wanted i didn't know exactly what i would get out of it um but i just I do want I do want something old, you know. I don't just want to go out there and just, you know, just sue on just to be just because it's on my list, you know, like I really want something to come up this, something positive of, of going over there and putting a giraffe on my list. And so they had spoke with a, a farm owner and this uh this farm had not had a baby giraffe born in, in several years because of the one that I was, was yeah. targeting, the one that I um, he was killing other giraffes that were able to still mate and produce, but sure. stopping that because he was fighting and killing them. Wow. And so during this hunt, like, I'm not even kidding you, the bones, I've never seen bones so big in my life. <laughs> uh, we were stepping over these bones, and they were just all over this place. And then finally, it, it took a while, you know, to spot them. It's, you know, people, I get this, this this stuff all the time. It's like, you know, a barn, you know, it's, it's this big animal, it's docile. You just walk up to it and shoot it. You can pet him, you can feed him. No, yeah. <laughs> I promise you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that at all. And so um, after the hunt, during, you know, after the hunt, it was crazy and just heartwarming to see how many people showed up. They were getting meat. Um, <clears throat> and when I say meat, they were getting, you know, the organs, the heart the you know, liver, the intestines, like nothing goes to waste. Nothing is, go- is going to waste in South Africa. Yeah. What we would toss away in a gut pile, they do not. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing yeah. I, I think that most people don't understand about when people go on these safaris, safaris and these, these big game hunts uh, in South Africa is nothing is wasted. I mean, there is a use for everything, and it doesn't really matter what animal that you harvest over there. They all go... For a great cause. I mean, you're Absolutely. feeding, you're feeding the money people. money goes to a great cause. Yeah, you're feeding people, and, and the money goes, of course, back into conservation to maintain those animals. Yes. And yep. poaching efforts. Ridiculous. Oh, the yeah. Are- oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah, a friend of mine, Scott Baggy, out of Cleveland, um, he travels to Africa all the time, and he's been trying to get me to go, and he's like, just make sure whenever you do 
finally go, you have enough money to go for two hunts. And I'm like, why two hunts? He goes, because nobody, nobody can ever go on just one African hunt. He goes, so you better be prepared to pay for a second one within a year. And wow. uh, But he tells me all the time, like what you were saying, Tess, I mean, he says when he hunts, all that meat goes right to the villages. And he says it is so heartwarming to see the kids that will come up and hug them and that because they know they're being fed. And it's because of us going over there and spending our money and harvesting, harvesting these an animal. animals. Yeah, and Tess, something... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some, yeah, something that you said there uh, kind of struck a chord, and, and we've just got a few seconds left in this segment, but I wanted you to touch on, and, and that was the fact that uh, this this giraffe was mean, and people don't understand that. Giraffes can be very mean and are very dangerous animals. Absolutely. They're very strong animals. It was, I want to say, a year and a half to two years after my hunt, I received a note, um, a message from one of the guys over there thanking me for doing this, and he sent me pictures. They finally had a baby giraffe born, oh, and wow. they were so excited. And that, you know, that's huge. Now, they're, you know, the, the population has grown within that area with them. Yeah, all for just taking out this one problem giraffe. Yeah, yeah. one wow. dirt can ruin it for all of us. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, uh, folks, we need to take another break. We'll be back with more with Tess Talley. We're going to talk more about uh, uh, hunting South Africa and uh, uh, maybe into a little bit of controversy that came out of that hunt. And we'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge in just a moment. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Around your heart, so you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Hey, turkey hunters, this is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American-owned, American-made, made one at a time, hand-loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy long beard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com. Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Wayne Locke. I'm in the studio with Mike Grace, and we have Tess Talley still on the phone with us. And uh, wow, I mean, if you yeah. if you ever thought about hunting Texas and that story there didn't uh, get you going, uh, then there's something probably wrong with you. Well, hunting hunt <laughs> yeah. Africa, hunting Africa, not, yeah. not Texas. I said I'm looking at my my map here. It says <laughs> Texas, but yeah, hunting Africa. I mean, that, that's on my bucket list. It always has been. Sure. Well, I, I mean, think anybody that that grew up in the '60s and '70s, like like. I did. Wayne was a little bit later than that, but you know, watching Tarzan movies and watching uh, Doc Tari and some of those old—you you have no idea what I'm talking about. No, the Tarzan <laughs> movies I do. Well, you got me for the first experience I had with uh, anything that had to do with African hunting. I was a kid. I was in the seventies. I remember that. But yeah, Fred, Fred Bear, Fred Bear, Fred sure. Bear. When he did the uh, when he got the elephant, that's the one that just got me as a kid. Yeah. Well, and then wild, you know, Wild Kingdom. Wild Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. And Jacques Cousteau, who couldn't forget oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, well, that was the deep sea fishing right. and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, you know, uh, wild, wild, how was it? Yeah. And, and, and uh, go get him, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jim was always in trouble. Anyway, so Tess Talley is our guest. And Tess, um, before we get out of, uh, and I know we want to talk uh, more about getting women and the importance of getting women involved in hunting. Uh, are you going to go back to 
Africa, South Africa, to hunt more. And, and also, uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about the controversy that you endured after your giraffe hunt. Um, I had a trip planned pre-COVID. Okay. And that, that of course, put a damper on, on things for most Americans. Um, so I haven't gotten to go back over. We were going to go back over and do the Cape Buffalo Sable and um, one more. I can't even think right now. Oh, okay. the Elands. I need the, the Elands. So if I could go and, and bag an Elands, then I would have my spiral clamp. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah, you so, mentioned early yeah. in the show that the first time you went, you, you went and you, you came back with, with eight animals. What did, what, what did you hunt the first time you went? Uh, we've done impalas, warthogs, zebra, kudu, which is magnificent, and the meat is wonderful. Mm. Um, let's see, what else do we do? Uh, well, that's okay. Well, it's kind of like a prairie package, yeah. I think. They some I, I've seen yeah, it referred to that as like a prairie Plains package, West yes. Plains package. Yes. Sure. Wow, that's fantastic. All right, so uh, a little bit of controversy came out of this giraffe hunt that you were talking about in our last segment. Tell us. Uh, you know, kind of what happened? I mean, how did that snowball into a controversy? As far as I can tell, I, I guess it was an anti-page, fake page, anti-page. Um, I can't really remember the name of it now. It's been it's been a while, mm -hmm. but it, nor has it slowed down. Um, they came out and they was like, you know, Tess Tally, you know, of a lifetime. She killed this giraffe. And so it obviously you know, it pissed people off. You know, they were mad, which drugs hollywood into it why oh. is their business what goes on what we do you know is beyond me so it was um let's see bill maher deborah messing uh just they all jumped on board and it was it was just slamming me so the same troublemakers back then that we still have today right? yeah 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 <laughs> Well, that's just, I mean, it's just amazing, and it, it, it really is. We, we spoke on it a little bit, I think, last time, but it's just ignorance on their part. Yeah, yeah, you know, Ricky Gervais was, was cussing me out. Bill Maher wanted to effing kill me. Wow. Um, Deborah Messing put my home address to the residence that I own in eastern Kentucky, uh, put it out because, you know, she knows everything about everything. So <laughs> I live there, and it was really going to affect me, and it, I don't live there, so she was, so wrong you, about that. <laughs> you got do, you got docs before doxing became popular. Um, <laughs> and, you know the name calling, and it was just it was it was just so elementary. Yeah, and what was your response? I didn't respond to them. My response to myself and to others was I just kept pushing. I kept hunting. I I didn't want to back down. Um, the bullying I can take, and I I take it and I deal with it and I turn it around into a positive thing and I show people this is what people they have so much that they can say they got ugly things to say but it's okay like do what you want to do continue living the life that you want to live don't back down because someone doesn't agree with you or they call you names do you know how many people in the world can't take that and have ended their life because of it yeah that's so, so true I keep yeah for them you know and that's actually probably and that can lead us you know somewhat right into the you know females getting into hunting but when we've talked to other female hunters that's actually one of the things the obstacles that kept them from getting involved in it earlier in their life yes, is that they were afraid them. you know what, what are my friends going to think you know what, what am i unfortunately social media is social media nowadays i mean there's just no way around it but you know that that seems to be uh, a thing that kept them out of hunting and then they finally of course you know did it but they said they can't believe that they allowed that to 
influenced them for so long and they wish they would have done it earlier. And to hear your story about, hey, just be yourself, be who you are, stay true to yourself, and things will work out. Obviously, they have with you. Yeah, like you get, you know, the hate I have gotten to to meet so many amazing people in the industry. Um, it's just, you know, I, w- I would do it all over again. I just tried to motivate people to continue to do that, like, you know, and try something new. Try hunting, you know, and the women getting into hunting I, I think that helps getting the littles into hunting, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. They see, you know, mom's doing it, you know, Aunt Sally is doing it, you know, this girl's doing it. I can do it. It's okay. Right. Yeah, and so many times, uh, you know, we focus on getting the boys involved. Uh, and sometimes the the girls kind of get left behind. I hate to say that, but that's just kind of a fact of the matter. So uh, uh, girls out there, uh, look up Tess Tally on the Internet, and uh, you'll find out that you can hunt too. And, and exactly. Tess, they, where they can they follow Facebook. you at? They can follow me on Facebook at Tess Tally, and I'm also on Instagram, and I have a TikTok. Um, you can get it's also on my website, TessTally.com. There's a CBS documentary that I filmed here in Texas hunting a blue wildebeest. Oh, oh wow. wow! Hey, and speaking of Texas, and something that's not from Texas, actually, if I recall correctly, you killed a kangaroo, didn't you? I did, yes, and Chris Because <laughs> I thought you did it in, in Australia, and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't think that's Australia. No. <laughs> <laughs> where where did you find a kangaroo in Texas? I researched, and I searched for a while, and I don't know what came over me, but I was just like, so many people were talking about it, you know, talking about the meat, and it's just like venison and this and that, and yeah. I was like, you know what, I really want to make this happen. I want, I want to see what this is all about. And it was a little difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was a little difficult. They don't just stand there. You can't just, you know, mur them like deer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they go. Wow. She but went on a, she familiar. went on a walkabout in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, let me tell you a quick story, Wayne. You'll appreciate that. I had a guy call me on my radio show the other day and this was, was on the air. And he said, uh, my son and I, my two sons were driving down the gravel road and he said, I had to stop. And I said, what in the world is that? And this was uh, in Howell County in South Central Missouri in the Ozarks. And he said, I stopped and was like, what in the world is that? And he said, and my 11-year-old boy said, Dad, that's the biggest jackrabbit I've ever seen. And come <laughs> to find out, it was a kangaroo in the middle of the gravel what... road. I said, what happened? He said, it just hopped off into somebody's driveway and just went up into their yard. Wow. Holy cow. That's crazy. I don't know if it's escaped from somebody or somebody's got kangaroos. You know, exotic animals are becoming kind of popular for people just right. to have. But uh, yeah. how would that freak you out? Be driving down the gravel road in the Ozarks and you almost run over a, a kangaroo. kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that your insurance company would pay off. Right. I believe you. Yeah, they'd be like, <laughs> okay, what, what drugs is this person yeah. doing? Right. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Tess Tally, it's been fun. And um, Wayne, tell folks where they can hear more from from Tess Tally. I know we're going to have a bonus segment. Too. Yeah, just because the radio show's ending. Uh, if you've missed any of the radio show and you joined us late on the air, uh, just go to your favorite podcast carrier, type in American Roots Outdoors. 
Uh, click on the episode with Tess Tally here because we have a bonus segment coming up where we're going to dive more into some of these hunts that Tess does and uh, also for getting the the younger generation and, and her influence on on girls nowadays yeah. that who need a, a role model in that. And we're going to touch base on that and some more African hunting. So you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. And like we say here in American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Amped Outdoors presents American Roots with Alex Rutledge and Friends. This is Wayne Locke. I'm in the studio here with Mike still. And if you're listening to this, that means you're listening to our podcast. We appreciate it. And, of course, leave us a review and make sure you leave your full name and the state you're from in the review. So when we draw a winner, uh, you can get uh, we can contact you and get your prizes out to you. Uh, Tess, you know, when we left off the last segment um at the end of the regular radio show, you know, we were, we started talking about, you know, women in the hunting and, and girls and that, I mean, do you find now, it, or how do you take it when someone may come up to you and say you influence them? You know, when a, a young girl comes up to you and says, you know, I, I'm so glad that, you know, I have you to follow and, and help make it so that I understand that this is okay for me to do. I get that quite often. And it's really a humbling feeling. Um, they almost make me cry every time, honestly. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's great to be able to encourage someone, you know, to step out of their their comfort zone and do something that they've been wanting to do but maybe not speak of or just do it because, you know, they didn't know that it was okay. Yeah. Now, do you find that you have other, you know, not just we're always talking about getting young kids and young girls involved in that. What about the older generation? I mean, do you have somebody yeah. that's like 60 years old and says, you know what, I actually just hunted for the first time? Yes. Uh, well, so last year in September, I got a group of girls. There was four of us. They were new hunters. We went to Wyoming. We got tagged out for uh, pronghorn. So they all, some of it was their first hunt. And so we went and hunted pronghorn together in Wyoming, and they had a blast. And most of them ever since then have not stopped hunting at all. Like, they have gone different places they're taking in white cell season they're taking in mule deer season they're getting exotics here in texas now and they are loving it loving it i received a message the other day from this this woman i don't know her um she lives in the united states somewhere she was 72 years old she's been following my page and she was like you know what i went after after following you and bought myself a gun and i shot myself the first white tail and it was a six point and i'm i plan on going back this year Holy and i'm wow. so proud of her 72 years old now. Wow. That's am- yes. that's amazing. That's all. I mean, I would love to have her on as a guest. <laughs> that <laughs> well, is awesome. Well, and I, and I agree. That's got to be very humbling to think that you influence yes, someone to do that. It leaves you speechless. Yeah. Now, do you find that, uh, have you had, well, because I'm going to back up just a second on this that question, because we had a, a lady on the, uh, that we did as a guest uh, last year, uh, Eric Faulkner, and she was an avid, and I mean avid, mm-hmm. um, anti-hunter. And then she finally 
uh, broke the mold and her, her boyfriend at the time, husband now, took her on a turkey, uh, took hunt. Her on a turkey hunt. Yeah. And now she is a avid hunter and, and she goes around and she, and she gives speeches and that to get women involved in the outdoors. But she went from the one extreme of picketing against hunting to now trying to recruit, you know, young, uh, females and girls hunting and that. Um, do you find that that is a similar situation or stories that you hear from people like, oh, I hated hunting and that, but I just didn't know? Very seldom. A lot of them are loud and they stand their ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my page is full of anti hunters and PETA. Hmm. So you find it hard to, to get them to, to understand why. They, to educate, right. Yeah, you can't converse with them. They are set in their ways. They don't want to hear what you have to say. Like, um, I done a post the other day. Um, shoot, I forgot what the post was. But, uh, oh, we have saved a little white-tailed deer out of a fence. He was hung up in a fence. He'd probably been there all night. And so we, and I videoed it, and I posted it. And then someone was like, you know, they're so bad in my area. I hit one with a vehicle one night, and I didn't mean to. Someone had to come and put it down because we couldn't save it. And what does an anti-hunter do? They get on there, and they was like, well, why did you hit it in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> so you cannot talk to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in, in, in most cases, you really can't. It's almost like politics no. nowadays. You can't. It's like right. trying to convert somebody from the other side of the political aisle. Good luck on that one. But yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, do you, I mean, we, we talked on the radio show about the fact that uh, you, you've been to South Africa twice, had another trip planned, and, and then the pandemic hit and the COVID-19. Are you planning now to go back to Africa anytime soon? Not this year, but eventually, yes. We've been talking to them. I just don't know when exactly. They are booked out for a while. So it is true. Once you go, there's just you just don't it's go home once. Away from home. Right. It's like eating that that you can't eat one potato chip. <laughs> you got you got to exactly. keep going into it. That's what Scott was saying. Yeah. He goes, you just can't go once. You better have enough money to go at least twice. Wow. But yeah. I I hear sure. the, I hear it's beautiful. The culture is something that is. And there's people who have uh, I've talked to who went there, and then the second time they went, they brought their wife with them because they were just so enwrapped in the culture. They actually ended up not doing that much hunting and spent more time like in the, the village with the kids and the schools and stuff like that just to yeah. watch how things are there and the appreciate how much they appreciate us going over there and helping them. Yeah, taking supplies, you know, stuff like that. Next time I go back... Um I'm a member of the West Texas SEI chapter. So next time I go back over, I'm going to take the Amy Bell's blue bag and we're just going to stuff it full of supplies and stuff and take it and deliver it to, you know, to an orphanage or a village that needs toys or school supplies, clothes, you know, stuff like that. That's probably one of the things that's, you know, Mike, is so misunderstood about people when we talk to other people about hunting in Africa. It's like, oh, that, well, that, you know, you're just because you got money to blow and that they don't understand that where this money goes and that and where yeah. the, the the like Tess said earlier every part of the animal gets used by the village yeah yeah and i brought so much back of that giraffe um because i got him mounted and then the bones he was like what all do you want to do i think they really thought i was crazy and i said you know the leg bones i want stories carved into them you know animals that my husband and i have hunted together and then they taxidermied um, from the feet up to the to the knees, and I had that turned into a table. Well, there was extra hide. Well, you don't want to throw that away. Like you can have something made that's putting yeah. money in someone's pocket, that's feeding their family. You know, it just it carries on. It goes on and on. You know, so I had pillows made and a gun case made, and like wow. why waste it? 
Absolutely. Now, okay, this this may be a a really dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm kind of known for that. Did you, you you had your giraffe mounted? Did you do a shoulder mount? Well, it's considered a shoulder mount, yes. So the way I got him mounted was behind the shoulders as far back as possible. And he is, he's freestanding. So he doesn't sit on the floor and he's not mounted to a wall. He is drinking out of habitat, out of water. So it's phased down into habitat, drinking water. There's weeds and lily pads and stuff like that. And then the rest of his neck and past his shoulders is just freestanding up in the air. That is cool. That is really cool. I was kind of thinking because of that big long neck. I mean, in my house, it would it would you'd mount him on you know the shoulders on one wall, and his head would be slamming up against the, the well, other wall. And, the and, and I was thinking room. the other way around. You would be in the basement to see the shoulders, and have to go to the second go floor to, to see, see the head. head. <laughs> yeah, it was a sore subject for a while after we got back from that time. My husband wow. had to go buy us. Well, that's house. fantastic. <laughs> That is really I, cool. I can see Tess now, hon, we need a new house, but we need to build it around the giraffe. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is... Th- I need at least well-foot feelings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or, or put a, a hole in the roof and just have his head sticking out to greet people when they come in the There house. you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Tess, thank you very much for being a part of American Roots Outdoors Radio uh, today. We've really enjoyed hearing your stories, and, and, and I think you are a true inspiration. And I'm going to say not just for women and kids but for everybody right i would say that this is not just for you know to attract women and young girls into the sport of hunting i mean I, every guy out there listening to this right now has got to be saying to himself how can i swing a trip to africa how can i you know what what is it that you know now that we have educated them on where everything goes yeah. maybe this is going to get more people you know booking trips and that hopefully this whole covid thing and flight stuff will you know straighten itself back out but well, and just saying, and saying, you know, get away from me to the naysayers. Right. I mean, uh, I think stand you, made your a, ground. you made a great statement. Stand your ground. You know, do what you do and don't worry about it, what other people think about it. I think that's the best exactly. way to go about stand it. Stand your ground. Don't blend in. Stand out. Absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, everybody, you've been listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. And Tess, thank you again for being such a great guest. And we we still have we don't even think we got the half of what we wanted to talk about today because this <laughs> well, was just so good. But we are definitely going to have to get you on again and, and talk some more stuff. And I didn't even get a chance to ask you. And I'm going to do it real quick, uh, Mike. I, I I'm going to bother that, Mike on the board here yeah, for just go, a second. Go ahead, go ahead. All this hunting that we've been talking about doing, do you do that all with rifle or do you do any of it with a bow? Out of curiosity, I do some with crossbow. Okay. Um, I haven't done a whole lot with compound, but I do most of it with rifle, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to hit that then maybe on the next time Absolutely. we have you out there. Uh, again, everybody, thanks for listening to American Roots Outdoors uh, podcast. Uh, Tess, thank you so much for being such a great guest. And like Thank we, you all for having me. No problem. Like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind.